This is Gopher Football Sunday on KFAN, presented by Goldie's Locker Room, Carrie Limo, and by the Greater Twin Cities Honda Dealers. From the Gopher Football sidelines to the studio, here's the fans, Justin Guard. A throw over the middle and all along. Touchdown. There you go. His first college touchdown, Jake Paulson. In fact, that's his first college catch. Second today. He had one earlier today. It's a touchdown. No one was covering. Crowd talking defense. It's a keeper by Blau. And he turns a corner. Short of the first. Short of the first. Did not get it. The Gophers have held on the keeper. Blake Cashman, who else was the first man there? And Minnesota in wonderful field position at the is going bonkers here. Third and goal from the 12. Morgan wants to throw. Lost one to the corner of the end zone. Tyler Johnson! Touchdown! Minnesota Golden Gophers. His Big Ten leading ninth TD reception. And uh, it's a handoff to Horvath left side. He stutter steps and gets out of bounds at about the 20. That will do it. The Golden Gophers, unlikely as it may have seemed, get the big win on the Boilermakers at TCF Bank Stadium. Minnesota 41, Purdue 10. Just like we all expected, just like we all drew it up. Welcome to Gopher Football Sunday on this wintry weekend. Sounds a lot better listening to Mike Grimm in the uh, comforts of the Gopher Football Sunday studios as opposed to uh, in 10 to 15 degree temperatures with snow all over the place. But when the Gophers play like they did yesterday, I don't think anybody that was there uh, minded hanging out in the elements. Welcome to the show. If you're new to the deal, we like to uh, carve out a little time for what happened on Saturdays for college football and Gopher football. We've started this uh, a couple of years ago. Usually we're turning it over to a bunch of Vikings coverage, but with the Vikings on bye week today, uh, that won't be necessary. Dan Barrera will be along at 9 o'clock for Sunday sermons. Johnny Athletic will join him at 9, and Richard Patino will join him right around 9.50. So a busy morning here on The Fan. I know Lake is uh, hanging out from 11 to 1 as well. So we're live and local until about then. We're glad that you're with us. Calls, tweets, and emails will be serviced today. We've got an interview with Blake Cashman to get to in the final segment. Our buddy Ryan Burns from GopherIllustrated.com makes his weekly appearance about 10 minutes from now, and towards the end of this segment we'll hear from the head coach, P.J. Fleck. But what we like to do early and how I like to roll with, uh, with tweets and calls and everything, pretty simple. What you liked from the game yesterday, what you didn't like from the game yesterday. And too many times this season when we've gotten to the what we liked section, it's basically been nothing. Or it's basically been one wide receiver having a nice day or a running back having a nice day. And when it came to the what we didn't like, it was everything. This was the bizarro world of Gopher Football Sunday. Today, we like basically everything. A fantastic game yesterday. A really fun game yesterday. Uh, really an awesome time yesterday if you were there, even though it was cold. The people that were there had a great time. And it was a huge win. 41-10. The Gophers needed some positivity. They got it. They improved to 5-5 five and five now, 2-5 and five in the Big Ten with the Big Ten West champs, Northwestern, coming to TCF Bank Stadium next week. And now all of a sudden you start thinking about a bowl potential again, which seemed ridiculous after 
the last couple of weeks, but you start looking at it, you see what's happening with Wisconsin, you see Northwestern coming here, you see how your defense is playing, and maybe it's not quite as impossible as we originally thought. But you have to start when talking about the game yesterday, 41-10, with the defensive effort. Where did that come from? They look fast for the first time since the non-conference. Guys were in the right place. There were multiple people around the ball. They were swarming to the ball. Individuals that hadn't been playing very well. Guys like Thomas Barber. Bad game last week. Terrific game yesterday. Blake Cashman hadn't been playing that great. Unbelievable game yesterday, including the scoop and score to start the second half that may have been the final dagger that may have uh, sent Purdue back into the locker room or at least back over to the heated benches and saying, it's not really our day. We're not interested in hanging out here in the cold. We're not interested in the effort that it's going to take to uh, come through here uh, in this big deficit. The defense was fantastic. Guys played with confidence consistently for the first time really in a while for an entire game, and we've been begging for it. So credit to Joe Rossi. We know it was a mess. How many times have we talked about the mess that the defense was Uh, specifically last week, 600 yards allowed, big plays over and over and over again. We thought yesterday would be one of the worst matchups possible given the Gophers' penchant for giving up big plays and Purdue's uh, ability to to have them. I think they had 50-plus plays on the season of 20 yards or more. Do you remember any 20-plus yard plays yesterday? I don't. Certainly none that led to anything productive. When you really break it down, the Gophers gave up a touchdown in garbage time and they gave up three points after a Tanner Morgan interception, a tipped ball interception in the first half. Other than that, the Gophers gave up nothing. It was fantastic to watch. It was necessary. Um, just uh, It was refreshing, really, is the best word, because you knew, we've talked about it, you knew that the defense couldn't possibly be as bad as it had been playing. You knew that there were good pieces on the defense. There were some flaws and some holes in the defense, but you knew when you had guys like Blake Cashman Guys like Carter Coughlin. It was good to see Keandre Thomas back out there. Um, Not sure why he hasn't been playing for the last month and change. He's probably their best corner. But the entire group played fantastic. And going into the week, going into the game, I thought they could win. I thought the Gophers would score points. I figured they would play better defensively because how could they not? But no, I did not anticipate a 41-10 route. I thought yesterday was a, a perfect example, and Jeff Brown even said it, in his post-game comments, you start to get things going a little bit like Purdue did. All of a sudden, you start to think you're a little bit better than you are. You think, as Jeff Brom said, you're going to roll out there, the ball's going to bounce your way, and you're going to get a victory on the road. And the Gophers didn't allow that to happen. The Gophers were ready. They were inspired. They had a great game plan offensively early, taking seven and a half minutes or so off of the first uh, off of the first quarter and the first drive, got points, forced Purdue to punt, really controlled it from start to finish, and you saw the frustration of Purdue, especially in the first half, they did not anticipate that battle. They did not anticipate a, a fight. I think they anticipated it to be pretty easy, and which is ridiculous given that they're 5-4 and four on the year, but that happens. Uh, even with uh, experienced college kids, that happens. Um, and you could tell they were frustrated at the fight that the Gophers brought. A couple of critical penalties on third down that Purdue had, stupid, unnecessary roughness penalties, stupid stuff after the whistle that gifted the Gophers a couple of different uh, scoring drives. Um, It was, uh, yeah, just a bad performance by Purdue, and the Gophers had a ton to do with that. We're going to hear Bernsey's thoughts, probably a lot more chipper than he has been in the last, I don't know, well, four out of the last five games. We know that. 
Uh, but first, let's hear from the head coach, P.J. Fleck, my interview with him post game. Uh, coach, I'm going to ask you, I think one of the questions I asked you last week, what happened defensively today? We changed our best. You know, this is this is this is us. Um, uh, we were sound. Uh, we, we kept it simple. Then they played fast. And um, I got to give a lot of credit to Joe Rossi, our entire defense. This has been one of the hardest and longest weeks I've ever had in my coaching uh, history for a lot of different reasons. There's been a lot of things that happened on our staff just internally with uh, some of our loved ones. There's been uh, things happening in our players' lives um, that all came together at a head. Um, we've had guys have surgery. We've had um, a ton of change, which we obviously know. It's been very difficult, but this is what Row the Boat's all about. Your oar goes back in the water, and, and whether you want to be, whether you want to sulk and be down, you got to stay positive and you got to keep your oar in the water and just, you know, get through the storm. And um, we got a lot of storms to go through. We got a lot of sunshine and rainbows to hit. But um, this is what Row the Boat's all about. This is, I'm so proud of that football team. Uh, I, I've never been around a team who's had more adversity from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, knowing a lot of the adversity that you're going into, but then having it for 10 weeks in a row of something new. It's always somebody new stepping up. It's always another guy that nobody's heard of, um, and that's a true team. We've had our challenges. We've had our ups and downs, but tonight we are consistent. We played well offensively, defensively, and special teams uh, the whole time, which we haven't done all year, uh, and we did it in the most adverse situation. So uh, you got to give Purdue a lot of credit. They're a really good football team. And uh, second to that, I just want to say thank you to all the veterans. Um, um, this is for you. They came in, Purdue, putting up a lot of points, a lot of yards. What were the keys going into today? How were you hoping to slow them down? And then what were you able to do? You mentioned playing fast. That was probably the fastest you guys have played since maybe the Fresno game. That's what it looked like. you know. And again, that's, that's us. Um, keep everything in front of us. Rally to the ball. Uh, make plays when they throw the ball deep. Uh, force them to throw it that way and make plays when they do. Uh, rally to the football. Uh, be able to get off blocks. Um, you know, and not put ourselves in, in bad positions. And uh, we kept it simple, and it was sound. And again, like I said, we played fast. It was very simple. That's all we talked about. We want to be completely simple. And, and um, you know, when Coach Rossi, when you get your chance, you're like, all right, what am I going to do? And he goes, what do you want? And I said, I want it simple. I want it sound and fast. He goes, oh, okay. You know, and uh, I thought he did a great job of rallying the defense around him. Um, a lot of individual meetings. It was a very emotional week for a lot of people. But, um you know, again, this is just the next right step. This is, you know, this isn't a championship. This is the next right step. But eventually, you have some of those wins that springboard you into some other things. And um, I hope this is one of them. What might get lost because the defense played so great was your offense got off to a really good start, really nice first drive, got points right away, and obviously continued that throughout the day. What was working offensively today? Well, I thought Coach Rock. We talked at the beginning of the week, and we talked about we need to attack. And Coach Rock did a great job, no matter what, whether the ball was dropped. We had a lot of drops tonight. Right which we could have had more explosive plays, but they responded. We had drops, and then Chris Bell comes back makes a huge catch. We had a drop, and you know, um, Tyler Johnson comes back and makes a big big catch. We had to attack. We had to be able to throw the ball down the field, which would open up our run game. And then once we were able to hit some, uh, I thought we blocked well up front. I thought we consistently were able to get uh, ahead of the chains on first and second down, which set up third manageable. And I thought we did well on third down tonight for the most part. I mean, uh, you know, our statistics necessarily don't show that at times, but I thought we had to be able to convert when we did, and, and we did. But I loved how I loved the game plan. Coach Rock attacked perfectly. He's such a great play caller. He knows what our team's capable of doing, and he always puts them in the right position to be successful. And they were gutsy.
You mentioned the offensive line, maybe one of their best performances. You could tell. One thing I, I've noticed just being on the field, you know, Purdue had a couple of penalties after the whistle. And I said on the radio, I'm pretty sure it's because your guys are always playing right to the whistle. This is a thing that's happened the last couple of weeks. It seems like they're developing some kind of feistiness or nastiness. Well, it's nastiness. You know, we talk about plus three in our program, you know, finish the play plus three yards down the field. But when the whistle blows, you got to stop. Not only that, you know, I think we're a very disciplined football team. You know, I mean, it's hard to play for us. Um, you know, there's so many things to know, learn, execute, um, know how to win a football game, know how to lose a football game. Uh, there's been times we've been disciplined and times we haven't been disciplined, but I think this is, they're starting to become a mature group and a disciplined group. Um, and the win doesn't necessarily do that. They've been through a lot, and whether you win or lose, the way they're responding to it is, it's impressive. How important was the way you guys started the second half? Obviously, just scoring. You know, we talked last week, you wanted to get off to a fast start offensively in the second half. It didn't happen. I'm sure you were talking in here at halftime, let's get a stop and let's go down and score. Defense took care of both of them for you. They sure did. I mean, we opened up the half and Blake Cashman's, uh, you know, Trips the ball, scoop and score. That's a great way to start the half because they're such an explosive offense. I mean, they're one of the top 10 offenses in the country. They're very, very talented. They got weapons everywhere. They got speed everywhere. Uh, their quarterback's one of the hottest quarterbacks in the country right now. We knew that. We just knew if we could play fast, play simple, keep things in front of us, uh, and let them have to execute perfectly, um, we knew that we had a chance. And our guys made plays. And I'm so proud of our players. I mean, they, they all made plays when they needed to make plays. And, um, there's a lot of performances out there that, that deserve a lot of credit. Are your feet cold? My feet are really cold from being out there for like five hours. No, not really. Uh, no, I got some warmers in there. Oh, and I got, I got my shoes. They were my veteran shoes. So the veterans were keeping me warm. Um, but it's, you know, it, it's, we love the weather we have here. And my pregame talk was simply about that. You know, welcome to Minnesota. That's all I told them. I said, let's welcome them to Minnesota. This is our weather, uh, our city, um, uh, our state, and we're very proud of it. And we love when it gets to November. When it gets to November in the state of Minnesota, we love that. And uh, I thought our players showed that tonight. Makes one of us. Thanks, Coach. Congrats <laughs> on the win. You got it. Row the boat, Sky Mile. Go Gophers. And happy 50th birthday to Mark Coyle tomorrow. That's good job security right there. Say happy birthday to your boss. Happy birthday, Mark Coyle. Uh, Gophers win 41-10 over Purdue. They improved to 5-5, five 2-5 and 2-5 five, and five of the Big Ten with Northwestern on the horizon. Uh, maybe the most important stat of the day yesterday, I'll give you two of them. Purdue on third down, 0 for 12, which allowed the Gophers to uh, really dominate the time of possession battle, especially in the first half. Gophers held the ball for about 20 minutes of the 30 in the first half. It evened out a little bit in the second. Uh, obviously, when you score on defense, you're not going to have the ball quite as much, but those really uh, some of the dominating stats yesterday in terms of time of possession and getting Purdue off the field on third down. Just getting going here on Gopher Football Sunday. We're going to hear from Blake Cashman in the final segment of the show. When we come back, our buddy Ryan Burns from GopherIllustrated.com. You're listening to The Fan. Back to go for football Sunday on the fan. I'm Garzi. Dan Barrero takes over with the two-hour edition of Sunday Sermons at 9 o'clock. Henry Lake does the Lake Show at 11 o'clock. We're now joined by our good buddy Ryan Burns from GopherIllustrated.com. You can follow him at RyanBurnsMN. And he joins us now on the Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract Hotline. Burnsy, I think I asked this question to you last week. I'll, I'll follow up. How were your mentions yesterday? 
There were a lot more positives. There was a, <laughs> a lot more, what in the heck did I just watch? Where has this been? And it's a, it's a crazy difference that just changing a voice can make in one week, plus a gopher team that has these unreal home road splits, which I guess for a young offense makes sense. But here we are that I'd say there was as much interaction as I've seen in my mentions, but man, oh man, was it a little bit more positive than it was the week before. Yeah, definitely. There was not as much sarcasm in mine. Um, not as much Jeff Brom positivity in mine. Maybe more on that later. Um, I didn't get as many Purdue positive Purdue tweets this week as I did maybe last week or the Ohio State week. But let's start with the defense. I mean, I said in the opening, I thought the defense would play better because how could it possibly not? Right? I mean, just by definition, just making any kind of change and doing anything sim- uh, more simply, I guess, is the best way to put it. There was no no way, in my opinion, that the defense could play any worse. So I thought they were going to play better. I did not see that coming. What stood out to you as you watched that game yesterday defensively? Well, live, I just thought that Minnesota was trying to do some different things. They were putting a lot more on the plate of their defensive backs and taking a lot off the plate of their linebackers. And then when I'm re-watching the game this morning, that confirms it that I think – when Joe Rossi spoke with the media, and you were there on Wednesday, he talked about simplifying things, trying to make guys play faster. And Well, how did he do that? He did some different things in the way the defensive line was aligned, but it also really looked like Minnesota played a lot more man. They put a lot more, as I said, on the plate of their defensive back, saying, well, if you're going to beat us, it's not going to be with our backers this week. And that's how you saw guys like Thomas Barber, Blake Cashman, Maul Martin have some of their best games of the year. I mean, Blake Cashman – goes from having his worst game of the year, according to P.J. Fleck or Blake Cashman against Illinois, and I think he arguably had his best. He saw that him get around get around the corner there, be able to strip David Blau, then scoop and score it, and you saw him have a couple of different third and fourth down stops. Blake Cashman is at his best when things are simple. When you tell Blake Cashman you only have to worry about A and B, Blake Cashman plays fast, Blake Cashman plays like the 2016 Holiday Bowl MVP, but when you put things like C, D, and E on his plate saying, well, if this happens and this happens and you have to do this, well, then Blake's going to play a little bit slower. And so that's where not only was the linebacker coach uh, and defensive coordinator let go and Rob Smith, Joe Rossi's inserted there in the linebacker room, and it just looked like a breath of fresh air and a different voice in that room made a world of difference this week because there's only so much Minnesota could do. They were playing the same defense in terms of this is a 4-3 defense with their rush end, but they just did some different things. And more importantly, they got off the field on third down. I mean, this was a team in Big Ten right. play that was second to last in third down conversion rate against it. Minnesota's defense had almost 50% of third downs converted against them in their first six Big Ten games. And then yesterday, they hold Purdue to 0 of 12 on third down. They get two different fourth down stops. So just a culmination of different things, but – Joe Rossi deserves a lot of credit. He had a great game plan, but more importantly to me, he had a great game plan, but he went out and made sure that his defense went out and executed that, and that's a lot of credit to him. I think you lay it out well, and I'm glad you brought up the secondary because that was something that stood out to me as well. First of all, Keandre Thomas played again, which he hasn't basically in like a month, and we're all trying to figure out why that is. I know so, you know, PJ has, has kind of hinted earlier that there were some things off the field that he needed to take care of and all of that. I don't know. All I know is the guy's probably their best cover guy, might be their best tackler, and he hadn't been playing in a month. He gets in there yesterday, and just standing on the field, Burns, you know, I'm not a great football mind, but I can tell when there's nowhere to go with the ball. And you could tell that right away 
Um, they the, the the corners were were well prepared. They knew the routes Purdue wanted to run. They were where they needed to be. Thought it was a bad pass interference call on Keandre Thomas there going into the student section end zone. PJ agreed. He hated that call. But I thought that was a a huge part of everything. Is that the secondary probably played as well as it had all year, and that opened up everything. The linebackers could just hang out. They could just sit there and wait for the checkdown. We'll go up and make the tackle. Defensive line actually got pressure um, by people that weren't Carter. Coughlin, um, to me, the whole key of the game yesterday was the, the secondary was, I thought, who should be playing, including Keandre Thomas, and those, and that group played well. Chris Williamson played great as well. It's the second straight week that Chris Williamson, I think, has played really well. You look at both Keandre and Chris Williamson yesterday, Minnesota's running around a bunch of guys that are experienced for the most part outside of Jordan Howden. Jacob Huff has played a lot of football. You have yeah, Chris Williamson. You have... DeAndre Thomas, and then obviously Terrell Smith was out there as well. But I think that Joe Rossi, like I said, just wanted to make sure that they were doing some different things. And I think Purdue's game plan coming into this game was they thought they were going to see a lot of zone coverage. They thought they were going to see a lot of cover six and a lot of off coverage with that zone coverage. Well, Joe Rossi didn't really do that. Joe Rossi played a little bit of off coverage, but not as far deep. He played a lot more man coverage. And so when Purdue is running these different route combinations thinking they're going to get zone and they get man, well, things weren't going as well for them. And, as you, and I think maybe the bigger thing is Minnesota got pressure. You mentioned it without Carter Coughlin. I mean, whether it was a linebacker, whether it was Hopkins' own Boye Mafe, you're seeing different things with these this defensive line. You saw a bunch of different stunts. You saw Kamal Martin generate multiple pressures with Minnesota getting creative with how they're sending four or five. This is what we thought we were going to see with Rob Smith because Fleck had talked about how he was a great blitzer. He was doing some different things, trying to be creative. Well, we never saw that. Well, we saw that in one week with Joe Rossi getting some different things and generating pressure. So it's all three levels. You saw the secondary cover well, forcing some cover sacks. You saw the linebackers playing fast, being aggressive at the line of scrimmage, and you saw a defensive line that was creative with the way that they were generating pressure. And so, like I said, Joe Rossi deserves a lot of credit for the way that he was able to put in a game plan to stop a Purdue team that was a top 15 offense coming into this week overall. And they held Purdue to just 10 total points, 233 total yards, the lowest totals of the year for one of the best offenses in the Big Ten. And I know that some people were trying to say, well, the weather, and it was inclement, and it's just, I want to put a lot into the scope for defense. Do folks realize that there was a Minnesota offense on the other side that put up over 40 points? Right. Like, you can't have the same excuse for this Purdue offense while the Minnesota offense didn't really have any issues running against that vaunted Purdue defense. So I just think that while Minnesota continues to play much better at home than they do on the road, whatever Rossi did and just these little changes, off this game and maybe the more surprising thing is they really didn't adjust they couldn't get out they couldn't get anything going they couldn't have anything working in their way and i imagine that uh your co-host after us here is going to have some different things to say about that well we'll find out i'm looking forward to the show uh sunday sermons at nine o'clock with uh barrero we're talking with ryan burns go for illustrated.com you can follow him at Ryan Burns MN on Twitter. Also check out GoForIllustrated.com for his five takeaways. He's got the GIF story coming up. Lots of good stuff uh, from Burnsy and uh, some recruiting stuff there as well. There's some recruiting news over the weekend that we might be able to talk about. Uh, you hit on the offense, and that's where I wanted to go next. That last week, my theme was kind of I didn't want the bad defensive effort to overshadow what I thought was underwhelming 
day offensively. Uh, the the inverse is true today, Bernsey. I, I don't want a great defensive effort to overshadow what was a really good offensive effort. And if not for really the only thing you don't like offensively are the, the handful of drops in the first half and how they might have handled the clock going into halftime. I, a lot of people were mad at me under underneath the uh, the student section, how they handled the minute and change before halftime. We can talk about that. But offensively, you got to love the start that they had. Long drive, got some points. You obviously would have liked to touch down. You'd love Bateman to hold on to that. But you could tell the game plan was we want to hold the ball, control the ball, keep Purdue off the field with our offense, and they were able to do that yesterday. What stood out to you? This Minnesota moving company up front continues to play so well. You, They only allowed two sacks on the day, and I'd argue both sacks were absolutely covered sacks for Tanner Morgan held on to the ball too long. They allowed Mo Ibrahim and Bryce Williams to rush for over 220 yards, over eight yards of carry. And the holes that Mo Ibrahim had to run through in, in that third quarter alone where he saw, I think, three different carries go for about 95 yards, and he was untouched through the line of scrimmage again. And you're looking at this offensive line unit that saw Donnell Green get back, someone that I think is finally going to break one of the worst Offensive line droughts in Golden Go for football history. Minnesota hasn't had an offensive lineman draft in 2006. Well, Donnell Green continues to play as well as he does. They're going to be uh, they're going to be ending that streak here. And I think with this offensive line, maybe the more important thing was you might, you know you talked about it with PJ Flack after the game. This is getting to be a nasty offensive line group, and more importantly, they were disciplined yesterday. Yes. And Minnesota drew, I think, three – Minnesota's offensive line drew three different personal foul penalties that extended drives on third down twice. I mean, we'd seen Donnell Green draw these penalties, and he was, he was the one going to the whistle and then not retaliating. And just from left to right, it, it's just been a, a much different offensive line unit since Daniel Falele was in, inserted in there. And you have to be optimistic about the future because of it, because Brian Callahan, Minnesota's offensive line coach this year, He's the fourth different offensive line coach in four years. It's tough to have a lot of continuity, tough to have an offensive line playing well when they have their fourth different voice in four years. But Brian Callahan came over with P.J. from Western Michigan. He was the offensive line coach there, had three different offensive linemen drafted, including your guy, Willie Beavers, that was taken by the Minnesota Vikings. And he's got an offensive line unit that's got a true freshman, a redshirt freshman, and a redshirt sophomore playing well and that's where you have to be optimistic about the future and this this go for offense as well just continues to play so well i mean five in the last six weeks they've put up 28 plus points in their three big 10 home games they're averaging 36 points a game now you have a northwestern team coming to town next week they just clinched the big 10 west is this a potential letdown spot for them knowing that they really don't have a ton to play for because they already have their date in Indianapolis, but this go for offense. We continue to say it week after week, Justin. I'm as optimistic about a go for offense as I've been since I started covering the team eight years ago. You have nine starters coming back next year. You'll have nine starters coming back in 2020, and you're gaining a boatload of experience with guys that should be getting better. I mean, this go for offense under Kirk Schrocker just continues to play well week after week, and they're doing it with eight underclassmen. Well, and I think you hit on it. There's a lot of different reasons for it, and we've talked a ton about the, the wide receivers, which I, I think speak for themselves. 
uh, with Bateman and Bell and Douglas, uh, despite the drops yesterday, and we all know about Tyler Johnson. Uh, next year, hopefully they get Rodney Smith and Shannon Brooks back, and they're both healthy for a change. That would be great because we saw against Indiana how helpful having Shannon Brooks would be. But I think what I'm most pleasantly surprised about is the offensive line and just their relative youth. I mean, outside of Weiler, who's been terrific all year, save one holding penalty against was it Ohio State? I think, um, correct. Which was which uh, which was hurt which was hurtful. Um, he's been great. And then you look at you know Andrews, redshirt freshman. You look at Connor Olson, sophomore. Falele's a freshman. It's like you can see them developing. I don't know if attitude is the right word, but certainly a confidence and a swagger about them. And if you go back to last year and even earlier this season, I mean, I don't know if it's a deep group right now, Bernsey, but that first five, I think they can win you some games, you know? Yeah, it's certainly not deep. I mean, you, you saw the drop-off last week from Donnell Green to Sam Schluter at tackle. Minnesota swing guard right now is a, is a true freshman, by the way, and by the name of Curtis Dunlap, he played – in garbage time yesterday, his third game, so he's got one more left before his red shirts burned. I'd have a hard time imagining seeing Minnesota's going to do that, considering he is going to be the right guard of the future, someone that's even more powerful than Daniel Falele. And that's from multiple reports from inside the Gopher program. So you talk about this offensive line, you'll be losing Jared Weiler next year, you'll be losing Donnell Green. Well, you shift Connor Olsen over to center. You have Andres and Curtis Dunlap as your guards, Daniel Falele at tackle, and then a battle at left tackle between Sam Schluter after he gets some off-season surgery taken care of, and then a junior college kid they brought in in this last class and Jason Dixon. I mean, you're, you're going to be moving some people here. I'm, I've talked with different people inside this Gopher football program. They think it's going to be as powerful as an, of an offensive line as we've seen. And why does that matter? Well, Folks, remember, you'll have Rodney Smith and Shannon Brooks hopefully healthy next year. And it's going to be, without question, their best run-blocking offensive line. It's going to be, without question, their best go-for offense they've ever played in because you'll have Tyler Johnson as a senior, Rashad Bateman as a sophomore, Chris Ottman-Bell, Demetrius Douglas as sophomores. Uh, Seth Green hopefully has a more expanded role. So teams just can't stack the box. So it's going to be the least loaded box Rodney Smith and Shannon Brooks have ever seen. It's going to be the best run-blocking offensive line in theory that Minnesota has had for them. And I don't know how you just can't not be optimistic about a gopher offensive line that's already playing, I think, pretty well. They overwhelmed a Purdue front seven for most of the game, especially in that third quarter where Minnesota broke it open. And that's where you have to give credit to guys like Brian Callahan. I think Minnesota's tight ends have played very well. Colton Beebe, Coe Keefe, Jake Paulson caught his first touchdown yesterday. This wildcat package, while I think Kirk Schwarka may go to it a little, little bit too often, you yep. see the push that they're getting in these short yardage situations or, or around the goal line because these tackles and these tight ends are getting such massive push and Seth Green is being able to get three yards untouched and then use that big six foot five frame to, to fall forward. I just, I'll continue to say it. This go for offense is going to be have going to have some breakout games next year. The biggest question, that, as it's going to continue to be until P.J. Fleck makes a decision about it, is can this go for defense be average? I'm not asking for them to hold Purdue to 10 points and 220 yards every week. It's not realistic. But you're seeing what can happen potentially in 2019 and 2020 if this defense can just be adequate because the offense has the players to be impact, be very impactful in a Big Ten West that – I think someone brought it up on Gopher Illustrated this morning. You look at the Big Ten West, 
Wisconsin looks as average as I've ever seen them. Iowa has lost three straight. Northwestern, if they lose out, which is not looking likely that Minnesota and Illinois left, they would be six and six going to the Big Ten West or the Big Ten right. Championship game. Right. Like it's it's wide open in this Big Ten West when you look forward here in Minnesota, if they can just get an average defense when you look forward here in the next couple of years. It could be a very interesting time for the Gopher football program. Well, it's going to be an interesting time for the West, you know, just because you know who knows what's going to happen with Brom. You know, the, every, everybody thinks he's either going to go to Louisville or the NFL. I'm not sure. We'll see. I mean, Purdue's going to be able to pay him. They're going to have the money. Every every Big Ten team has the money now, so he might like what's going on there, and he might stay. You know, Nebraska is going to be heard from from Scott Frost. I would think. Wisconsin's going to bounce back, you know, just in terms of how they're, you know, they've been recruiting, I think, pretty well. And that's been a good program for 20 years. But this West is going to be kind of fun, I think, to watch the next few years because I don't know if there's a ton of quote unquote weak teams if these guys continue to, to build. You know what I mean? There's not, it's not, it's not quite the East, but I don't think, I think it's getting a lot better. Yeah, especially with like a team like Nebraska. Nebraska terrifies me with the way Adrian Martinez has been playing. Once uh, Scott Frost is able to do some things with that defense, but I don't, <clears throat> I just don't know that there's a team that that puts more uh, more fear into me offensively right now than Nebraska. You know what you're going to get in Iowa every year. Kirk Ferentz is going to win somewhere between six and eight games. Like I said, Wisconsin looks as average as it's ever been, and I don't know. <laughs> it's just it's you know going into the late fourth quarter there. I believe Wisconsin had thrown the ball eight times, like four of eight for 29 yards and a pick. Like yeah. what? Like you're starting to see that maybe maybe Wisconsin's coach there isn't the guy um, for that program. Purdue, they're going to be in limbo. I can't imagine Jeff Brom's going to be at that program past 2019 with the different openings and the different places that are going to pay him a lot, a lot of money. Illinois continues to be, I don't think, trending in the right direction with Lovey Smith. They got blasted yesterday, making that go for loss look even worse. For sure. So you look, and then Northwestern's going to be losing Clayton Thorsten next year. They already, you know, this is a Northwestern team that even this year was losing to Rutgers in the fourth quarter. And this is your Big Ten West champion. They continue to play well when it matters in the fourth quarter there, but it's not exactly like they're blowing everybody out of the water and they're going to be losing their quarterback next year. So I'll continue to say I think this Big Ten West is, is very much open for the taking with Wisconsin slipping. Iowa continuing to be a model of consistency between six and eight wins. There is going to be a shot for Fleck, but I'll continue to say this defensive coordinator hire for him is going to be the most important personnel hire of his career. If he gets right. if he gets it right, if he gets it right, this is going to be a a Minnesota team that I think is going to be very formidable in twenty nineteen and twenty twenty. If he gets it wrong, I don't know how much longer after year four that P.J. Flex here. Now, does Fleck, is Fleck well aware of the fact that he's got to get this defense right if he wants to keep his job, if he wants to bring this Minnesota program to where he wants it to be? Absolutely. But there's still no question that once National Signing Day comes and goes and we're in that, in that interlude between the National Signing Day and the coaches' convention there in January – once the season ends for Minnesota, I can assure you in, in December there, Flex is going to be doing a lot of research on should he keep Joe Rossi if this defense continues to play well and when, what are his other options out there that would be <clears throat> receptive to potentially coming and being this defensive coordinator. So it's going to be on P.J. Fleck to get this defense right. But if he does, 
it's going to be very interesting for your Gopher squad. Good stuff, man. Enjoy your Twitter mentions. Enjoy the weather. Enjoy the hunting. We'll see you uh, on campus a little bit later this week. You want to join me in a tree stand later today? Sources tell me it's going to be about a wind chill at 12 degrees. There's snow on the ground. It's a little bit crunchy. I'll bring you some toe warmers. I only have one pair of long underwear, and I wore them yesterday, so I don't think they're going to be clean in time. Sorry, man. i, I got to put them in the wash first. So maybe next weekend. Next weekend. I'll, I'll hold out hope for you. I'll talk to you here this week. Thanks, Burnsy. Ryan Burns, GopherIllustrated.com. Follow him at RyanBurnsMN on Twitter. When we come back, I can review some tweets and some of the emails I've gotten. Also, an interview with Blake Cashman from postgame. He had one of the most important plays of the game yesterday to start the second half. Final segment of Gopher Football Sunday when we come back on The Fan. You're listening to The Fan. You're listening to The Fan. Second and ten for the Boilers. They have a fake handoff. Blau on the keeper trying the right side, and he is hit in the backfield. And the ball popped loose. Scooped up Gopher. It's Cashman down the sideline. 20-10. Touchdown. Minnesota Golden Gophers. Cashman stripped it out, scooped it up, and took it in. Yeah, fairly big play there to start the second half of the game. Welcome back to Gopher Football Sunday. I'm Garzi. That made it 20-3, to Blake Cashman with the scoop, well, the strip, the scoop, and the score. On the day, Blake Cashman, nine tackles, half a sack, half a tackle for loss, that uh, strip, scoop, and score for the touchdown that made it 20-3. to And uh, I wouldn't say it was the final dagger for Purdue, but certainly made it a lot more difficult. May have uh, left a few of the Boilermakers disheartened, because I'm sure they were thinking about, let's reset, let's um, flush that first half away, where offensively we were terrible, let's go down and get a score. We're only down 10 points, 13-3. to Let's get a touchdown and put the pressure right back on Minnesota. Blake Cashman and the Gopher defense rendered all of that moot, and uh, it was fun to catch up with him after the game yesterday. What are you going to remember about this game defensively? Uh, I think what I'll remember the most is, um, you know how we came together as a team? Uh, you know, we, we, we had a lot of adversity through the week. It was a tough week, but you know, those tough times, and I've, I've already said this today, is that, you know, it, it, I can bring a unit together, um, a mold stronger, and um, and I was so proud. I thought we played a complete game at uh, every uh, level, the defense, every position group. I'm very proud of the way those guys played. And then uh, being a, a boy from Minnesota with the snow, uh, the lights on, I uh, couldn't, couldn't ask for a more perfect environment um, just to play a complete game against a very good offense. You mentioned the week. We all know the adversity that happened after Illinois. And and the changes that happened. So, as a senior, as one of the leaders, like, what was your approach this week, and how did the defense approach it? Well, um, we were very uh, humble and we very real with ourselves. So, you know, we looked at you know our season and we we, we saw that you know we can play really well and um, beat really good teams, but at the same time, we can lose any given Saturday and just lay a goose egg on the field. So, um, you know, we got two big games uh, going forward and. You know, I talked to the defense in the locker room, and uh, some other some other of our leaders did as well. And uh, you know, we just gotta remain humble, know that you know tomorrow we're gonna analyze the film because there there are mistakes that were made tonight, um, and we just gotta kind of keep this momentum going into these next couple of games because they're big games, and that they're important to win um, for us to get to a bowl game and finish out the the year how we want to. It seemed like the speed that you guys played with in the non-conference was back tonight. Did you feel that as well, playing fast? Yes, uh, absolutely. I mean, we. That's something we emphasize this week. Uh, you know, uh, running fast, fast, we call it. Uh, we emphasize being more physical and setting an edge, and that would help, you know, eliminate space to create easier tackles. 
and I think we did a good job at uh, all those areas defensively. So you're up at the half. I'm sure you're in here saying we need to get a stop. Purdue's got the ball. They're very explosive. Let's get the ball back to the offense. You just decided to handle all of it, getting the ball back and scoring. Take <laughs> me through the play a little bit, what you saw and what that whole thing was like. Well, first of all, I got to give credit to everyone else on the field. You know, um, we had run a stunt up front, and that play wouldn't happen if those guys in front of me didn't do their job. Uh, so got to give credit to them. But it was a play we had worked on a handful of times uh, throughout the week, that exact play. So I had seen it. I was prepared. So I got to thank the coaches for getting me ready. And, you know, I sat, was patient. The play came to me. Uh, I, the quarterbacks tried to stiff arm me. I was able to hit a stiff arm down. And when I went to go and make tackle, I had seen that he had the ball uh, carrying a little loose. So I tried to, you know, make an opportunity of it and get the strip. And, you know, not often a defensive player gets to make a touchdown. So I, I knew I had to scoop and score and um, bring it back to the crib. Were you worried at all? The field gets kind of wet when there's snow. How was the footing on that? The only thing that was going to stop you at that point was like tripping over the 10-yard line. <laughs> at moments, it, it did seem a little slick, but uh, I think as the game went on, we were able to adjust it and um, you know be more precise with our footwork to uh, make sure that we weren't slipping around out there. But so. Joe Rossi's been here with you guys as an analyst last year and obviously defensive line coach, but how much dealing had you had with him from your position group before really this week, and how did he approach this week? What did you notice? Well, he's first of all, uh, he's did a great job getting us prepared. Um, saw a lot of different looks. He was able to keep the game plan simple, allowing us to uh, play fast, play loose, um, which gave a lot of guys confidence out there. Um, but he was very, he's a very smart coach. He, he was very active um, with the defensive scheme throughout the year, and um, you know it, it, it wasn't that hard to adjust. Um, I mean, he worked with the, the linebackers, um, and then the defense were all just to kind of. Uh, and I get some key points that we talked about uh, that are it's room specific. So he hasn't been working with the linebackers, right. but now he is. So we helped him out, and he helped us out. It was a it's a great team effort, and he was able to put together a, a killer game plan. Last thing, you had a couple of short yardage situations against them, a couple of third and shorts, and then obviously fourth downs as well. Uh, you've had a number of big stops, even going back to Indiana. You had the big one on that third and short. What's the key in those situations, and what kind of lift does it give you when you stop a team going for it on fourth down like that? Uh, what's important is, uh, you know, understanding their tendencies. Um, you know, depending on their formation, what they're going to run, um, but as well as you know, you, you gotta. You got to make the right call and make sure the guys in front are doing their job um, because, you know, if one guy doesn't do the job, everything can fall apart and they can gash you or hit a seam. And we've seen that like against Illinois, but um, definitely just being prepared and understanding their tendencies is what helps to make those plays. Yeah, and you could tell they were playing fast. That was novel, wasn't it, to uh, kind of remember what Gopher defense could look like after some disastrous games where they're giving up 600 yards. And how many touchdowns over 30 yards uh, have we talked about? Wasn't it like 35 touchdowns of 31 yards or more? It was um, It was getting to be insane. And yesterday it kind of looked like you know what we remember from years past and what we remember from the non-conference, guys in the right spot. Guys coming up and making tackles, being okay with uh, with Purdue checking it down, you know, on a first down play to make it second and five. Um, Blake had a great game, like I said, nine tackles, had the half sack, had the half tackle for loss, the fumble, which might have been the final dagger. Thomas Barber in the right place, consistently wrapping up, making tackles. Um, it was a, a great performance. I talked about the secondary, Andre Thomas being back in there, uh, certainly helped. Uh, I thought they were good in coverage all day. It allowed the defensive line to get a little bit of pressure on David Blau, and we saw that he, he wasn't comfortable really all day. The, the key stat from the game, 
besides just the yardage, uh, the lack thereof, for Purdue, 0 for 12 on third downs, and a couple of fourth down stops as well. Uh, it started early, getting them uh, off the field. Uh, they just kind of built momentum off of that, and if you look at it, all told, um, one touchdown in garbage time, one field goal after a uh, the offense puts you in a bad spot with an interception. Otherwise, the defense was flawless yesterday. So hopefully uh, they continue that here in the final couple of weeks. Northwestern and Wisconsin. Two more winnable games. Will the Gophers be favorites? Probably not. But you look at Northwestern, they're 6-4. and four. They've won 13 of their last 14 Big Ten games. A, a very strange year for them. They, they beat Iowa on the road yesterday, 14-10. We'll see. We'll see how they look coming in here next weekend. That's an 11 o'clock start. That has been announced. 11 o'clock, so the pregame will be at 9 o'clock. And then um, Big Ten Network will carry it. And, of course, we'll have all the coverage here on the fans. So that's the deal today. Gophers win 41-10 Northwestern next week. Barrero's coming up. Johnny Athletic right at the top of Sunday Sermons here in about five minutes to talk about Jimmy Butler. That nightmare's finally over. And Richard Patino to kick off our number two. Thanks to Brianne back in the studio. Thanks to Ryan Burns. Thanks everybody for the tweets. We'll talk to you next Sunday at 8 a.m.